So I started a journey um, to start a church that was different. And I started this journey probably when I was about 16 years old. And so I've been at this for a really, 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 really long time, uh, trying to create and cultivate a church that doesn't necessarily look like a lot of other churches or doesn't necessarily believe like a lot of other churches or that doesn't, uh, you know, worship in, in a sense a way that a lot of other churches or think like them or behave like a lot of other churches. And so it's been a, a process in my journey. I started around the age of, um, let's see, I was a junior in high school and I started with a youth group in my home. Many of you guys know the story. And just to give you kind of a snippet of what I mean when I say I tried to make it not look, think, breathe, smell, act like church, we called our youth group stoned, uh, S-T-O-N-E-D, stoned. And uh, that stands, obviously, it's, it's very religious. It stands for surging toward our never-ending destination. Huh? So I, I brought some Jesus to it. But uh, we met in my basement that we called the joint, getting together at the joint for stoned. Uh, we passed the pot for offering, the bucket, passed it for the offering. And so um, early on, early on, my parents had a lot of headaches. But early on, you know, um, I started this course of saying, you know what? I want to do church a little bit differently. You know, I want to approach this whole idea of Christian community a little bit differently. And so that was stoned. And then I went and I uh, was a youth pastor in Georgia for a few years after college. And uh, I went down there and brought all the North with me into a rural mountain community in North, uh, Northeast Georgia. And so it was very, very, very different. You know, it was so different to the point that I did a few things that I had to write a letter of apology and they put it in the paper. Um, but that's another story for another day. It was just nothing terrible, just a little bit terrible. And it was awesome. But, um, you know, we did things like that. And then when I came here, I moved here in 2010. Um, I grew up here, but I, I had gone to Tennessee to college and then Georgia to be a youth pastor. And so then I moved back up here in about 2010 to start a church, and uh, I worked at another church doing like a college group sort of thing, and it was just different. There was no real like, you know, you think college group, you think, all right, let's like make some coffee, and let's get an acoustic guitar, everybody wear flip-flops, we'll sing Kumbaya, right? It wasn't like that. It was very conversational, relational-based. We didn't have like a flow of service or anything like that, and so it was totally different and outside of the box, and then now I'm here at Central Church, and I've been here for, uh, I was talking about it this morning with like Dalton and stuff before church. Uh, we've been here since February of 2011. And it's been a journey, but we're to the place here at Central Church where I can say, I love this church. I really do. I love this church. And for those of you who have not experienced other churches, or for those of you who have experienced other churches, you should love this church too. Because this church is Awesome. I mean, the music here is incredible. We are a, an extremely small church, and that was extremely high-quality music. I don't know if you know that or not, but that didn't suck. It really did. And a lot of times when you go to church, the music really sucks, right? And so, I mean, I love the music here. It's, so, it's special. It's diverse. We have, like, Chris leading today, Leo leads, and Anna, and Ken, and all these different voices leading, and it's like, man, this is so awesome and amazing. And it's like huge some Sundays. And then some Sundays you come in and we don't even use the PA system. And Leo's just standing there with an acoustic guitar, not even plugged in. And it's like so intimate and diverse. And the worship at this church is amazing. And then the teaching, oh my gosh, your senior pastor is so good looking and so smart 
and so intelligent and such just an oral communication god. No. Um, but the communication here, I mean, honestly, the teaching here is so cool and unique because, you know, I get to come up and give my perspective. And then we have Bob, who was a pastor for 16 years in the Assemblies of God. He gets to get up and give his perspective. And you have Chris with his ponytail and coffee-loving self giving the millennial perspective. And it's just great, right? I mean, it's, it's really awesome that we all come and give these different perspectives to the scripture because it keeps it fresh. It keeps it interesting. And we all have different thoughts and different views. I mean, obviously we're, we're cohesive with one another, but it brings a different approach to the word of God in a different perspective. And then the community here is incredible. I mean, we're literally come as you are. I know a lot of churches say come as you are, but really that means come as you are if you look like us. Here it just means come as you are if you're a Lions fan. But no, really, we're come as you are. You, it, we don't care. There's no pretenses. There's no, hey, you got to look like this, dress like this, talk like this, think like this. What are your views on uh, this political season? Uh, let's see if you fit around here. I mean, that's just not the way that it works. It's literally come as you are. And many say that, but I feel like this faith community actually does that. And it's incredible. I love that this church is a vacuum for drama and politics. A va- I mean, it ceases to exist. It really does. And I'm not just up front saying that. That's the reality of it. There's no politics here. There's no drama here. We don't have time for I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. This church doesn't have time for that. You know? Because we're not in, in, in the business of keeping people around here. That's one of our core values, actually, as a church. And so there's no drama here. Listen, do you know how unique that is? Do you? Because that's incredible. Because anytime people are involved, there's, there's junk. And I'm not saying there's no junk around here, but there's no drama and political ladder that you have to climb to be in charge of the women's ministry here. Not the way that it works. And that's awesome. Guys, that is awesome. That is incredible. And then the authenticity of the people of this church. I mean, it's mind-blowing, right? I, I'm, I'm the, 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 the lead pastor, right? And so growing up, when I went to church, I don't know how it was for you guys, but when I went to church, the only time I ever saw my pastor without a tie is when he was cutting the grass, right? I mean, he still had his jacket and his pants and his shoes on, but, but he like took his tie off and unbuttoned his top button, right? I was like, ooh, living on the edge, right? And so, but there was this, you know, the pastor's office when I was growing up, I believed that like Indiana Jones was looking in the wrong spot because the Ark of the Covenant had to be in there, right? Because it was like the Holy of Holies. Nobody went in there. You, when they opened the door, it's like you, you heard angels singing, right? It was this, this super reverent thing. And, and, but I always felt like I was like afraid of the dude, right? And it was very like, ooh, the pastor's coming. I better, you know, oh, is my shirt tucked in or whatever. You know, it was this kind of relationship. But the authenticity here is incredible. I mean, people in this church, I'm not celebrating this, but this is a reality. People in this church, you would not believe how many of you swear around me? I mean, in just regular conversation. And you just like drop some swear words. And I'm just like, all right, okay. That's how we're gonna do this. Okay, awesome. But, uh, but, but I'm saying I'm extremely grateful for the real community that's here, right? You don't feel like you have to edit yourself or, or, or pretend like you're something that you're not. It's just real. And it's an authentic community. And that's not tooting my own horn. That's tooting your horn. And that's saying this church is amazing. Now, some people will look at our church and say, yeah, they're for sure going to hell. Like, for sure. You know? It's like, you know, the Muslims and then Central Church are like right there. Right? Like that's, um, I feel like that's what a lot of uh, people kind of lean towards. But I'm extremely grateful for this real faith community. And, and here on Sunday mornings, we talk a lot about 
you know, personal growth and practical improvement and how we can grow ourselves to, to, to do life better and be better at life. And we always say that, you know, following Jesus makes life better and it also makes you better at life, right? The teachings of Jesus will radically and drastically improve your quality of life. You know, we're not, we're not sitting here saying, uh, do this or you're going to go to hell. Oh, fear, 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 fear. And we're not saying, you know, hey, heaven's going to be great with our heads so far up in the clouds. We don't know what the heck's going on around us. We say, listen, following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life. And so therefore, we believe that you should do that. And so we spend a lot of time talking about those things. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the church. And I want to talk about the community aspect of church. And how important that is because the Bible is super important and worship is super important and personal growth and personal practical application of God's word into our lives are super, super important. But you know what else is super important? This community of people and the local church. It is super important to your life and it's gonna make life better and it's gonna make you better at life if you get plugged in to a local church, if you get plugged in to a faith community. There's nothing hocus pocus or mystical about it. It's essentially relationships. And it's Christ-centered relationships that are gonna push you forward in life. And so it's super important. So I wanna spend a few minutes talking about that. So let's pray together real quick and then we'll jump into God's word. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for that awesome, powerful time of worship that we got to share together and just singing songs of praise and adoration and response to who you are in our lives. God, I pray this morning as we open your word, I, I pray that you would allow it to speak to us. I pray that we would soften our hearts and we'd open our minds, that we'd be receptive to you today. I pray that you remove any baggage or, or barriers that might be kind of tying us up or holding us up or keeping our mind too busy to listen, God. But I pray that we would just pause and reflect and receive from you today. God, we love you and we praise you and we believe that you are going to make the Detroit Lions victorious over the Colts today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. That's important. We need to pray for them as much as possible. Um, in Hebrew, they need it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says this. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. This is a letter to the church. And it's encouraging the church, saying, guys, this is what we need to do. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. This statement about church or about Christian community says a lot. There's a lot jammed into this one passage. A lot of stuff that we can take to heart here at Central Church, a lot of stuff that many churches need to take to heart in the way that they operate, the way that they view themselves, and the way that they view the way that they relate to others. It says, spur one another on, and it says, encourage one another. You know what that tells me? It tells me that the early church was a team effort. The early church was a community. It was a group of people that were actually doing life together. It was a community approach to life. Because here's the deal, newsflash, nobody is designed to do life alone. Nobody is wired to do life alone. I don't care how introverted you are, you need community. It's the way that we're wired. It's the way that we're designed. There's this, this saying, that it's, it's a Latin phrase, it's imago Dei, and it talks about how we are image bearers of God, right? That we are created in the image of God. And God, in and of himself, in and of his nature, is a communal being. It's this doctrine of the Trinity, right? You hear the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? 
it's one essence, but three persons, right? And it's three functions of one God. You know, it's, it's this crazy, like, bending thing to kind of wrap our heads around. But it's this idea of, of the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they are in perfect community at all times. And so if God is a communal being, and we are created in the image of God, the imago Dei, then that means we are wired to be communal beings. We are wired and bent toward community. That is God's design for our lives. For us to do this thing called life is to be in community together. And so he says, let's spur one another on. Let's encourage one another. Let's do this together, essentially. Let's do this together. So if you feel like you're traveling life alone, don't. Get plugged in around here. We want to do life with you. We want this to be a community of people that are doing life together, that spur one another on and that encourage one another. And it says spur one another on. What does it say to spur one another on to? Teaching about hell, sin, fire, and brimstone, tell everyone how they're going to hell? Is that what it says? No, no. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Listen, the early church, this is key, the early church was not defined by what they were against. The early church was defined by what they were for. And for some reason, over time, the church has got it so twisted that we've become defined by what we're against. We're against the Democratic Party. We're against the gays. We're against the marginalized. We're against this and that. And that's so wrong and so twisted for the church to be viewed in that way or for the church to view themselves in that way. Here at Central, I never, ever want to be defined by what we're against. I want us to be defined by what we're for and who we're for. And we're for everybody. Did you hear me? I want us to be defined by who we're for. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We talk about this all the time, that the church should not be defined by their parameters. It shouldn't be, hey, listen, if you fit into this box, if you believe like I believe and think like I think and dress like I dress and listen to the same crappy Christian music that I listen to, then you can be part of this church, right? That we're defined by our parameters. That's not the way it works. The way that the church is designed in the early church and how it should be continued through the current church is that we put Jesus at the center and we chase after that. That's what we're defined by. We're defined by what we're for. What are we for? Jesus. What are we for? Love. That's what we're for. And so we chase after that. Well, Sam, what about sin? Well, my idea and the idea of scripture is that the closer you get to Jesus, the more sin falls away. And it's not the church's job to sit here and say, you're sinning, you're going to hell. You're sinning, you're going to hell. You're sinning, you're going. That's not the church's job. That's never been the church's job. The church's job is to point at Jesus and say, let's go there. Let's do that. Let's follow that guy. Let's apply that to our lives. Let's follow Jesus. And putting Jesus at the center and chasing after that. Spur one another on and encourage each other toward love and good deeds. And then it says, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together like some are in the habit of doing. See, back in the first century, the way that the church was organized was totally different than now. Back in the first century, it was called the synagogue, 
first of all, because if you didn't know, Christianity came from Judaism. Started off as a sect of Judaism and then kind of broke away in the third century into its own thing called Christianity. But anyway, Christianity and the whole idea was surrounded around this synagogue. And the way that the synagogue worked in the first century is that this was the community hub. Like this was the life-giving force of the community. It wasn't just something you did for an hour on Sundays. That's not the way that the synagogue worked. The synagogue, you would go there because here's the deal. The negativity of the Gentiles, meaning the people that were not Jewish at the time, the negativity coming in at all angles for the Christian movement, the way of Jesus and all this stuff, the negativity caused this really tight-knit community cohesion, right? These people had to rely on one another because there was negativity coming in from all angles, right? And so they relied on each other and the community was so tight-knit that the synagogue became the center of that community. And so they would eat, they, they would have food there, right? They would have these social activities. They would have debates and lectures and lessons and teachings. And yes, there would be worship, but there were all, it was also like a community gathering spot. It was like the source of their lives was this synagogue in the first century, but then, you know, all these things happen throughout history and then our Western consumerism culture kind of comes in and now I feel like predominantly church is like an addendum to our life. We have our life and then we have church, right? We have our life, it's like this. We have a hub going on and we have our life right here, right? And in our life, we have what? We have family, so we have our family sect over here where we have those relationships and those conversations and those activities. We have family. We have work, right? We have our compartmentalization of our different relationships and the way we, that we view life. And so we have our family aspect or sector, and then we have our work sector where we have our work friends and our work conversations and our work interests and our work goals and all these different things. And then over here, let's say we have our friends, Right? We have our friends, and our friends over here, these are the guys that we can kind of hang out with, cut loose with, do whatever. We go out on the weekends, go to Tiger Games, go to restaurants together, go on double dates, whatever. So we have our family over here. They're their own kind of thing going on. We got work over here. That's its own thing going on. We got our friends, and that's its own thing going on. And then over here, goodness gracious, don't laugh at me. <laughs> and then over here, we have like leisure. Right? And so we have like, this is where we're, we play softball with our guys, or we go get manis and petties with our girlfriends, or we go and do these different things. We play in sports. Yeah, manis and petties. Is that weird for me to say? <laughs> I heard like a snickering under your breath. I have a wife. I know what's up. So, you know, you got, this is your leisure time over here. And, and a lot of times your leisure doesn't coincide with your work or your family doesn't coincide with your friends and all these different things. And then also coming off this hub, we have faith which is our church or our faith community or our different things. And so we have our church people and we have our, our leisure people, which are like the people we hang out with at Liberty Park when we're playing softball. But we don't really hang out with them, but we play together and it's whatever. And you have like your friends. These are the people like you go out to lunch with. And if you have baby showers, they're the ones that are invited. They go to your kids' birthdays, those sort of things. And then you have work people that really your only common interest with one another is that you work at the same place. But while you're there, you might as well make the best of it. So let's hang out and be friends, right? And then you have all these different things that are all kind of compartmentalizations of our life. And they're all kind of separated. But looking at the scripture and looking at the first century church, I would propose that you change it and that you don't make it to where faith is just a compartmentalization of your life, but that your faith and your faith community is at the center. I would, I would propose 
that your faith community be at the center. And then out of your faith community, you begin to assimilate all the different spokes of this wheel into the same thing so that there's authenticity across the board, right? And I'm not saying that central church needs to be the center of your life, but I am kind of saying that because what's at the center of central church? Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus needs to be the center of your life, right? And if Jesus is at the center of your life and then you surround yourself with a community of people that also put Jesus at the center of their life, how big of a support system is that? How much better are you able to chase after Jesus, right? And so I'm proposing that you put your faith community at the center. And so rather than saying, oh yeah, you know, I got this work thing, I got this family thing, and you know, oh, I got softball, or oh, you know, I got my friends, we got this thing we're going to, maybe I can make it to church. Or maybe I can make it to the movie night. Or maybe I can help out with parents' night out. Or maybe I can volunteer. Or maybe I can help with this or whatever. Maybe I can get involved if it works with all my other compartmentalizations that are spinning around this hub of life. Maybe I can get involved. Maybe I can do life with other people chasing after Jesus. Maybe, if it, if it works in my schedule, in my spoke of what I have going on. Rather than living in that way, what if we put Jesus at the very center and allowed our faith community to rally around us, and then that becomes our life. That becomes our, there's no more segregation between us and our family because our life is God and chasing Jesus, and our faith community is such an important, vital part of our lives, our family comes to church with us because it means that much to us. It's part of who we are and our DNA, and so there's no longer any compartmentalization between our faith community and our family. Or how about work? We don't have work conversations, we just have conversations. And since our heart and our life is centered around Jesus, and we're plugged into a faith community that's centered around Jesus, then our work conversations are about Jesus. And so then we don't have compartmentalization of work, work is part of our faith community. It's across the board, there's authenticity across the board in our friends. Oh, sorry guys, I can't hang out, I got this work thing. No, I got this church thing. No, they're coming to the church thing anyway. Because you've assimilated them into our community. Because if Jesus is so important to you that you're putting him at the center, he should be that important that you're telling other people to do the same thing. It shouldn't be this hour compartmentalization on Sunday mornings. If Jesus is important enough for you to put him in the center of your life, you should be sharing it with your friends, you should be sharing it with your leisure, you should be sharing it with your family, you should be sharing it with your work, and they should all kind of cohese together. Does that make sense? That's huge. That's huge because that is the design of church. It's not so we can entertain you for an hour and you feel good leaving and throw a couple bucks in the box so we can keep the lights on. That's not the point of this. That's not the design of this. The Jewish synagogue was and still is the hub for their community. If you go out in Birmingham or Bloomfield where there's a high Jewish concentration people, they have Jewish community centers. They have these beautiful synagogues and these beautiful banquet halls and basketball courts and community pools and classrooms for community classes and housing for old people to live in. I mean, they have everything there on their little compound area because it's still the center hub of their community. It's still that way. This is not some ancient practice or belief. I mean, just go over to Bloomfield or Birmingham and look. Look at the Jewish community centers. They got everything you could possibly want or need there. And so that's why at Central Church, we take these steps. That's why we do Parents' Night Out. It's not because we love to torture ourselves the first Friday of every month and watch a bunch of kids for free. That's not why we do that. 
We do that to point people to Jesus. That's the point. That's why we do movie nights that cost our church money and we get nothing in return. We do it to point people to Jesus and to be that community hub and say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to hang out with your family for free. We got everything covered, you just show up. That's the point of doing these things. We don't do them just because it's cool and fashionable. There's a purpose to this stuff. We, we use this building as much as we possibly can. We had fantasy football drafts in here last week. You know, we had, we had like the TV set up with the, the spreadsheets and the whole deal right here in the sanctuary, people eating pizza and everything. That's the point. That's the idea. It's doing life together. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery that meets in here. That's not even part of our church. We have small groups from other churches who don't have buildings as big as ours using our facility all throughout the week because that's what it's about. It's about community. It's about doing life together. It's about being a hub for life. It's about being a faith community that gives birth to life, that gives life to our family, that gives life to our work, that gives life to our friends, that gives life to our leisure. That's the goal. That's the idea. That's the purpose. But here's the deal. It starts with you. It starts with you guys. It's you guys buying in. It's you guys saying, yeah, I'm putting Jesus at the center of my life. I'm going to do that. I'm into it. And then it's you saying the very next step, but I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it with all these goons sitting in the room with me. You know, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. We'll do it. Let's do, let's do this, right? But it starts with you. And so some of you in here this morning, you might need to shift your perspective. You might need to shift your perspective of what church is and maybe what church should be. Because it's not just worship. It's not just coming in and experiencing God for an hour on a Sunday. It's community. It's relationship. It's doing life together. It's getting involved. It's, it's house churches and having conversations. You know, in here, you're all sitting at rows looking at the communicator. And house churches, we sit in circles and have conversations. So maybe it's shifting your perspective of what church is. Rather than a download of information, it's a conversation and a community. Maybe some of you, you need to shift your participation. Maybe you need to buy in. You need to get involved. You need to get plugged in to a house church. You need to start serving. You need to start coming to stuff, being involved, right? We can't know you if we can't talk to you, and we can't talk to you if you're not here. So some of you, you need to shift your perspective. Some of you, you need to shift your participation, and some of you, you may need to shift your position. You need to, might, might need to start viewing this thing more than just a compartmentalized part of your life, but as a life-giving source for every area of your life, and you need to be a little more inclusive than exclusive. Rather than saying, no, I can't go out on the boat Sunday morning, I have to go to church, you say, hey, why don't you come to church with me and we'll go out on the boat afterwards? It's a shift of mindset, it's a shift of position. Rather than your family saying, no, I can't have family brunch that day because I have church, saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me and then we'll do family brunch afterwards? It's this mindset of being inclusive rather than, oh, church is just a compartmentalization of my life. Oh, it's saying church is my life. Come be a part of it. If you're part of my life, you're part of this thing. Let's do it. But that takes individual effort by all of you and by me because I can't get up here and do it for you. Chris can't do it for you. Bob can't do it for you. Leo can't do it for you. It's up to you to shift your perspective. It's up to you to shift your participation. It's up to you to shift your position. But imagine the impact and life change that could take place. Imagine that. Imagine if the group of people in this room really got it.
like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, totally. I'm in it. No, I like doing life all by myself, miserable and alone and insecure and not knowing what's going on. I, I like this. This is cool. Awesome. Yeah. Nobody wakes up thinking that. Man, I hope nobody talks to me today. <laughs> Man, really looking forward to taking this day on by myself. Awesome. You know, those are just conversations we don't have. But imagine the impact that we could have if we started getting it and started shifting our perspective and saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, I'm in to this. Or we started shifting our participation and our position. I mean, imagine, imagine if these weren't such compartmentalized parts of our lives, but it was just cohesive across the board. It was cohesive across the board. Then you could be authentic across the board. You could be the real you across the board. You don't have to change your hats from hanging out with your friends to hanging out with your family to hanging out with your church people to hanging out with whatever, you know? It's authenticity, and it's hard, and it's ugly, and it's uncomfortable, you know? It's uncomfortable. We went to the Tigers game this past Friday night, right? And, and we had this, this guys group that we went out, and a bunch of the dudes got beers, raised in a, in a very conservative Pentecostal upbringing, that was super uncomfortable for me. But then I had to step back and say, well, wait, 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 wait a second. Really? Are you being authentic all throughout your life in every area? Or are you putting on your church hat and trying to be a little judgy on this whole thing? Right? I, I was checked in my spirit. I mean, this was like a personal conversation I was having with myself. So I want to be like, guys, come on, it's a church group. Don't drink beer. But I was like, well, wait a second. I mean... Why not? Right? Like, what's, what's going on there? What's going on inside? So it's hard. It's sticky. It's ugly. Making these transitions and trying to be authentic across the board. And half of you are not coming back next week because you think beer's going to hell. Sorry. Go find another church. Um, but it's this like, you know, it, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard transition to make to be authentic across the board and to be real across the board. I think that's why not very many people actually do it. But around here, that's our goal. Our goal is to be authentic across the board and to be real across the board. But for that to happen, it takes putting your faith community in the center of your life with Jesus at the very center of that and then working out. Not having it a compartmentalized part of your Sunday morning, but making it who you are and what you do with Jesus at the very center. And so maybe you need to shift your perspective. Maybe you need to shift your participation. Maybe you need to shift your position. And let us consider, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's huge. That's huge. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to experience your love, to experience your grace, to experience your forgiveness, your compassion, your mercy. God, I pray this morning that as we navigate these waters of, of bridging our faith and our life and marrying the two together, God, I pray that you would guide us. I pray that you would give us grace. I pray that you would have understanding with us as we push back and fight back and navigate these uncertain waters. God, I pray rather than getting pissed off and taken off, that we would stick around and have conversations, that we would talk with one another, that we would ask questions, that we would encourage one another. 
and that we would be better for it. God, I pray this morning that those of us who are, this is hitting square between the eyes and we're like, man, this is heavy. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us through that conversation. That you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us on this journey of just figuring it out one step at a time. God, I pray as we take these next few moments to just respond to you, I pray that we would open ourselves up for you to speak to us. That we would be very aware of your presence. And that we would leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed.